welcome to this week's sermon from Amblecote Community Church. Thank you, Adrian. Appreciate that very much. Well, as Adrian says, I'm getting on a bit now. Uh, <laughs> no, you didn't. I've only... never heard the old saying about someone <clears throat> who's looking for a, a better future described. <clears throat> Very often this is uh, describing someone, as I say, who's looking for something better than what they are. They're hoping for something better. But I'd suggest that uh, every single one of us, without exception, live in hope every day, every day of our lives, either in our verbal conversations or maybe in our thinking, hope is a part of our everyday life. Things like, and I'm just using a, a couple of very, very um, basic illustrations, things like, I hope it doesn't rain, <laughs> or things like, I've got to go somewhere, it entirely on external circumstances to make it a reality. Things that you and I have no control over. Take those two simple illustrations. You hope it doesn't rain. Well, that doesn't depend on you. It depends on the uh, weather systems that we have. And you know as well as I do, even the professional forecasters can't get that right. Apparently this morning we were supposed to have a, a quite a thick layer of snow, according to one uh, commentator uh, this week here in Amblecote, Stourbridge area. And uh, I was hoping it wouldn't happen because I didn't want to preach this to nobody. So um, <coughs> it didn't come to pass. So they, even the professionals can get that wrong because it doesn't depend on them. It depends on the weather patterns. We hope you're to our destination on time and um, whether you're driving there by car or whether you're um, going there by train these days, who knows whether you'll actually arrive on time. Journeys can be incredibly unpredictable. Uh, this week, for me, um, on Mondays, we have one of our little grandsons and uh, he goes to nursery in Stourbridge on a Monday morning and I usually pick him up around about 12 noon, um, well, usually at 12 noon, from a, a nursery in uh, the other side of Stourbridge. And we live, as most of you know, we live here in Amblecote. And the main road here is usually pretty busy. But I can usually time it pretty much. Uh, I got used to the patterns and I can, you know, know that if I give so much time, usually I can get there for 12 noon. Well, this coming Monday, <clears throat> set out as normal, thought no problem. Got to the ring road and came to an absolute standstill. There were, at the top of the ring road, <laughs> there were two lanes of the three lanes of the ring road uh, dug up. Uh, Seven Trent was doing something and they said they'd be doing it all week. But what it meant for me was my destination arrival was, I hoped, at 12 o'clock and it was nearer the quarter past. Now, it didn't really matter, but there's just an example <clears throat> of hoping for something and yet it not coming to pass. The dictionary says that this sort of a hope is a mere possibility. It's based on uncertainty, it's not really knowing, and it's wishful thinking with no solid foundation. And yet, 
as I've already said, and you would agree, I'm sure, that it's part of our everyday lives. A secular definition of this sort of hope is a feeling of expectation, a desire for a particular thing to happen. And I was struck there by the word feeling. And you and I know our feelings can be very unpredictable. There's no guarantee um, how they will be. And they can change hope is that it has no... And so the trouble with this sort of hope is that it has no foundation, no solidity to it. Over the, um, and I'm giving you some indication here, over the 40 years uh, that I've ministered here uh, for the Lord, I've taken uh, many, many, many funerals. And um, people of all ages, from very, very young, in fact, even from a stillbirth once, to those who have been over 100, and all ages in between. And I've sat down with countless family members And I've heard many of their and their loved ones' stories of hope and dreams that these people have had. Some were fulfilled, but many small and larger hopes never came to pass in these people's lives. And this, and many other aspects, is a life, if I've learned that this life that you and I live is a life of uncertainty and unpredictability with no guarantees of anything within it. And I would suggest that to put our hope in these things in life alone are not enough. To put your hope in a job alone to give longing. Finance alone to give you security. Possessions to give you pleasures, or even the church and its systems to meet all of your needs is no guarantee that your hope will come to pass. I put my hope in retirement for rest and relaxation. (laughs) It hasn't yet come to pass. But I would suggest that anything, anything at all in life... You put your hope in to give you the security, the identity, the lasting peace, the joy, the self-worth, the significance that we as human beings long for. If we're to put our hope alone in anything that this world offers us, we're going to come for a bit short. For these things in themselves are not wrong. It's not wrong to look for a bit of peace and relaxation in retirement. It's not wrong to have a job to meet our financial needs. None of these things in themselves are wrong. But if they are our reason, our foundation for what we're looking for in life, then we are on very, very unstable ground. And sadly, hopelessness can lead to depression and eventually desperation however when we've been hearing about it this morning it's a biblical hope that has an entirely different foundation to the one I've just described 
Many years ago, here at Amblecote, we had a couple of visits from a very, very well-known uh, Bible teacher and missionary of the day. His name was Terry Law. Can any of you remember him? For his visits, he gave us a great Bible teacher. And on one of the, his visits, he gave us a definition. He said this, uh, that has remained remain with me throughout uh, these years. He said this, hope is a confident expectation in the goodness of God. A confident expectation in the goodness of God. This confidence, this expectation is having full trust and a strong belief that something will happen. It's anticipation for what God will do. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? A hope is something in, uh, that actually will come to pass if it's directed to God. This hope, this confidence, this expectation is not based on external circumstances like secular hope, but on the goodness of God. In preparing for this, I've been able to do quite a bit of study and I've thoroughly enjoyed my time of study into this. And I found that there are almost 100 scriptural references to uh, hope in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The prophet Isaiah said this, those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. So here's an incredible strength for our everyday and how many of us need that strength? Here's an amazing scripture from a man who lost absolutely everything in his life. His name was Job. And he said this in chapter 13. Though he slay me, though God slay me, yet will I hope in him. Here is a confidence that says, even when I'm in the deepest of trouble of God... Yet I'm secure because I'm in the hands of God. Not one of us, this man could say, to the extreme, he slay me, yet will I hope in him. I found this a very interesting scripture and a powerful scripture in uh, what Paul said to the Roman church in chapter 5. He said, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. If we're honest with ourselves, most of us will not see suffering as a benefit in our lives. It can be extremely difficult and extremely painful. Please understand me, I'm not here taking away from the difficulty and the pain that suffering brings. I'm not doing that. But God very often has a purpose in that suffering. God will use suffering 50 plus develop our characters. And I can reflect on my life over the 50 plus years I've been a Christian <clears throat> that some of the greatest changes in my life, in my attitude, have come about 
in difficult times, when I've had to trust him more, when I've had to look to him, and so give him my heart again and again. And so God very often, in the midst of the suffering we go through, can bring about a change for the better in our characters. And out of that change comes that confident expectation called hope that helps us through those very difficult times. And Paul declares at the end of that statement that hope is not a disappointment. You know about suffering, let us down. If an, and if anyone should know about suffering and the benefit of hope in one's life, Paul should. <clears throat> you read his life and he explains there the things that he went through in life, knowing and loving the Lord as he did. And yet he knows that his hope in God never let him down. It was never a disappointment. And we read a great chapter in the letter to the Hebrews, in chapter 11, where it says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for. This suggests that faith and hope are closely linked. As our hopes are realised. This hope that God offers is an amazing hope. It's one of the things that God, the tools that God gives us to sustain our lives, to help us to make the most of our lives. So the question must come, how do we experience and grow through those difficult and painful times? I believe that there are two fundamental ways for us to know this hope. And at this point, I make no apology whatsoever to bringing us back to the very basics of our faith. Both of these things, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you will know that these are vital and essential to our Christian life. But if, like me, you can become so used to these two things that you lose sight of their importance and forget how vital these two things are to our everyday lives. Let me share another definition of hope, biblical hope, that will explain what I'm trying to say. It goes this, like this. Biblical hope is a confident expectation in what God has promised. Its strength is in both in hope. What God has promised, that refers to his word. His faithfulness, and that refers to knowing him as being totally and utterly faithful. So, knowing his word, his question comes, how well do you know his word? It never ceases to surprise me even now how many Christians very rarely read the word of God. Know it, 
even apply it to their everyday lives. This book, this precious book, is God's instruction manual on how you and I should live our lives on this journey called life. Through life, with all of its joys and with all of its heartaches, God gives us his instructions in this book. Yes, we listen to sermons. Yes, we read our Christian books. And yes, we debate and discuss Christian ethics. All good in themselves, make no mistake about that. But not one single one of those, I believe, is a substitute for personally reading and knowing his word. If you believe that this is God's letter to you, then God has things he wants to say to you personally. God has things, and we won't know, to know personally. And we won't know what it is he wants to say. In Hebrews 4 and verse 12, it simply says this, that the word of God is living and active. That's a powerful statement. That this word, working in our lives, is living and active. That's a powerful thing. Do you know, I've been told, I haven't counted these, but I'm told on good authority that there are over 30,000 promises that God makes in that word. And these promises are for you and for me. If you don't know them, you can't call upon them when the need is there. Build your hope in him. These promises are the foundation of our hope. Promises like nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Job, as we've heard, could state that. If we draw near to him, then he will draw near to us. And there are times when I'm sure we all have or do call out, where is God? Well, if you want to know where God is, draw near to him. For the Bible promises, if we do that, he will draw near to us. My grace is sufficient for you. His free and undeserved love is there for every single one of us. No weapon formed against us shall prosper, God says. Life is difficult. We do have an enemy who doesn't want us to succeed and enjoy life. But every weapon he uses, it will not prosper against us. For God is greater than all. When life gets tough... These scriptures and many more can give us the hope that we need. In Hebrews 6, it says that hope is an anchor. What does an anchor do for a ship? It stops it 
from running aground. If there's a storm, it stops it from breaking to pieces on the rocks. Hope is your anchor and my anchor in the storms of life. And Peter says in 1 Peter, it's a living hope. It's full of life and it's full of vitality. Integral and all saw this hope as a truly integral and important, essential part of the Christian life. When he's writing to Corinthian church, he says those very famous words in 1 Corinthians 13, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. He was so convinced of their importance in the church's life, in the Christians, exactly the same words. As part of his church in chapter 5, he used faith, hope, and love as part of of instruction to them. The same to the Galatian church in chapter 5, and also to the Colossian church in chapter 1. Faith, hope, and love. Paul saw these as essential parts of his message that should be a part of every Christian's life. Faith, hope, and love. And again, the Hebrew writer, the person who wrote to the Christians, the Hebrews, used exactly the same. This word, if we want to do all face because it's a part of life, we don't have to say, I hope so. But we says with confidence, I hope because he says so. Our hope in his word. Many of you um, are used to seeing a PowerPoint up there when somebody's preaching. And uh, for skills, uh, deduce that because of my lack of technical skills, that's why there isn't one there today. Well, if that was the case, then we have some very excellent people on our um, tech team who could have done it for me. But there's a, a purpose for not putting anything up. So I want to encourage you, if you are in need of hope in your life this morning, then I want to encourage you, I would sincerely, than just looking at it and, or just hearing me, I would sincerely encourage you, find the time, make the time, open your Bible, get a concordance, look up the scriptures to hope. And read them to say yourself. And then listen to what God has to say through these words. I said to the guys before when we were praying that I've really enjoyed preparing this. You may not enjoy hearing it, but I certainly enjoyed preparing it. And what I've done, because I was asked, um, oh, I don't know, about six weeks ago or something like that, if I'd speak today, I've had plenty of time to be able to sit in the presence of God. I don't mean I've spent the last six weeks doing this. I just mean I've found the time, I've made the time to sit in the presence of God, in his word, listening to what he has to say about hope for my life 
no matter what you may think, for me, God was speaking to me as I was preparing this and I needed to hear this. So I'd encourage you, find the time to open the word and to look and see what God has to say to you about this amazing thing. His word called hope. However, knowing his word is only half of what's needed for hope. Second part of that definite part of our everyday life. The second part of that definition is all about knowing him. Our hope is founded on Jesus and no one develops anything else. And it develops through our knowing his word. The writers to the Psalms knew this. Psalm 39, our hope is in you. Psalm 71, you are my hope. Psalm 130, hope in the Lord, the psalmist says. Again, in the New Testament, Paul picks up the same thing. In Acts 24, hope in God. In Ephesians chapter 1, this hope, 17 to 23, it says there that you may know this hope. What a powerful exhortation that called you. This is not just something that's an optional extra in our lives. This hope that God offers is something that he's called you to. It's knowing the hope that he has called you to. And then Colossians says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hope is not only for now. Hope is a confident expectation in our eternal existence in Christ. Is that sort of hope growing in your life? It will at some point. That you have that hope living in you that is a total foundational rock of your life that when life comes to an end, a new life, a glorious life begins in Timothy. Jesus, Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our source of hope. His word is the developing and strengthening of that hope. We've already said today is the start of our Advent series and we'll be looking at hope today, love, joy, peace as we lead up to Christmas. We as Christians celebrate Christmas time because God's plan of salvation and eternal life began when Jesus, the source of our hope, was born. An interesting, he lived about six, over, just over 600 years before the birth of Jesus. And through him, God said to his people, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Here God is saying, I have a plan for you, and that plan is to give you hope. That plan and that gift of hope 
came together at the birth of Jesus and was fulfilled in his death and his resurrection. Without the birth of Jesus, which we celebrate at this time we call Christmas, without his birth, without the life that he lived, without his death and his resurrection, there would be no hope. But because Jesus was born, because he did live his life, and he died on the cross, we have a tremendous hope that eternal salvation awaits us. A life in the presence of the love of God awaits us. We live our lives here. No matter how exciting, nothing compared and unimaginable it can be, it is nothing compared with the hope that we have when we leave this life. Hope within us. True hope comes by trusting God because we know him and by believing his word because we know it. And the results are peace and joy that is far greater than anything this world can ever give. We've had a, a wonderful life, and myself, and we've had a, a load of joys. I suppose the greatest joy we've had are the four children that we've been able to have and the grandchildren and everything that they have given. Great joy, great pleasure. And yet none of this and much more that we've experienced can really compare with the joy and the peace that we have when we come to meet him in this life and a guarantee, a guarantee for all of a life with him for all eternity. So I simply, this is, hasn't been rocket science, I appreciate that. Many of you sitting there will say, you know your word? How well do you know your word? How often do you get into your word? How often do you read it, know it, and apply it? You know him, but how well do you know him? His knowing him, the thing that sort of keeps you going every day, and for hope, for today, for tomorrow, and for the future. Knowing him is totally essential to hope. I just wanted to finish. It's, uh, again, something that some of you, many of you will have heard. But I want to finish with a, a short video. It's just three, just over three minutes long. It's by King Lockridge. And it's called, That's My King. And he asks in this video two or three times, do you know him? Do you know him? Let's listen to the video. And then let's ask ourselves, do we know him? Thank you, guys. 
Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know <laughs> My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has sent a savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent and he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a path to wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. Never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could. He's invincible, describable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! What a video to end with. Thank you, Phil, for coming and sharing that word with us. I think it's just amazing, isn't it, to go into this week now. I feel encouraged, encouraged that we have that hope and just encouraged that we step into this week with our King. We step into this week with Jesus as our hope. So, yeah, thank you, Phil, for coming to share that with us. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Amblecote Community Church. For more information about who we are, what we believe, and how you can get involved, check out our website, amblecotecc.org.uk.